Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to be in Job chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Job chapter 14. And it's been quite a journey so far as we've seen Job uh, sort of spar with his buddies as they accused him falsely of a lot of different things. And I thought about it, and remember we were looking at this sort of in the context of a courtroom drama where Job was defending himself and the accusations were coming uh, against him. And um, we saw those, we saw some of his defense go forward in the last few chapters. But as I'm thinking more and more about this, I, I think of it almost in the context of a fight, of a boxing match. And now there's been some really good ones. And there's been some that have ended like that. We went, Claire and I went to, to a Tyson fight um, that, that they were showing down at the Garden State Arts Center. And, yeah, and we sat in our seats, got comfy, and got ready to watch the fight. And Claire dropped something on the ground, and she bent over to pick it up. And when she, before she even got back up, the crowd went crazy because the fight ended. And I don't know if it was... 60 seconds or 90 seconds. But it's really good to see two fighters, especially heavyweight fighters, really slugging it out. And I, it, it kind of reminds me, when I, when I look at this book, how Job continues to just battle back. He battled against, you know, all of the, all of the tragedy that happened in his life. And now he's kind of continuing to battle against his friends, these accusations. And, you know, uh, these guys, you know, in the boxing match, they take punches. They may get knocked down a few times, but they, a lot of them, a lot of times they continue to fight back. And, um, you know, in this, it's like Job just won't finally go down. Um, but he's close. And in cha- chapter 14, we're going to see Job's hopelessness, really. Um, it's not a real pleasant thing that we're going to see. It's almost like it's the 15th round and he's just taken a pounding and he's about to go down. Um, he's almost at that place. You know, Job has mounted this vigorous defense against his accusers. Um, and we see throughout the chapters, we've seen glimmers of hope, glimmers of faith. You know, he goes back and forth. He, he, he varies in his, um, you know, his faith in God, and then he loses faith. At the end of chapter 13, we saw, finally, it was like Job had had enough. He finally admitted that maybe his friends are right. Maybe there's something going on in his life. Maybe God sees something that would cause God to forsake him and allow this tragedy to occur in his life. He's like, he's so dead tired from all of this. And I think for us, too, we can get tired, can't we, of the attack of the enemy or, 
even, you know, in this highly charged political climate that we are in right now, we can get attacked by even friends, uh, by people in the church, by people who we thought we were, you know, we, we got along with. Um, but everyone's, you know, hunkering down and, and putting their heels in uh, with whatever their opinion is about a lot of things. And sometimes we feel like we're being attacked. Um, and it can get tiresome um, in those things. And I think it's the enemy's plan, isn't it, to kind of divide and conquer. You know, he comes up with all of these ways and with a, with a will, willing, sinful populace to just go out and kind of sow division among people. You know, point out their differences instead of the things that would um, bring us together. You know, and he's relentless, isn't he, in his desire to take us down. And, and when that happens, we can sometimes get paralyzed, paralyzed in fear, not want to say anything, paralyzed and, and ineffective for the, for the kingdom. And we can grow weary of life's just life's struggles, right? Because life is full of difficulties. And it is in those times that we can lose hope. Too. Um, but, and this is a big but, it's at those times also where we can see the hand of God sustaining us and building something in us through those difficult times, through those times when we're nearly almost out for the count. But God is building in us something useful for the kingdom of God. And Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And he says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that our tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So, against the backdrop of Job's hopelessness or our hopelessness when life really begins to crumble around us, there is this hope that God is building in us through those tribulations. And as discouraging as Zophar and his other friends were to Job, um, in, in Job chapter 11, we see this little glimmer, you know, of hope. Um, although it was hidden amongst all the accusations. But we see this. And I think we need to continue to point this out as we go through this book, that Job wasn't totally lost, totally dejected through all of this. There were glimmers of hope. And in Job 11, in verses 13 through 15, we see, If you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hand toward him, if iniquity were in your hand and you put it far away, and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents, then surely you could lift up your face without spot. Yes, you could be steadfast and not fear. So his friends were telling him here that there, there is hope. There is hope. Just go to the Lord, confess your sin. And you know, whether Job was, was guilty or innocent... We can relate to that. We can relate to times where we've walked away from God or we've done things that are not pleasing to him. And instead of becoming hopeless in those things, we go back to the Lord. We seek his forgiveness. 
You know, it says in the scriptures, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So condemnation is hopelessness. They're kind of synonymous in how they make us feel and how they become in us ineffective ways of us. Uh, we, we're, we're not then effective in what we're going to do for the Lord because we're hopeless and we're dejected. But there's always a way out, right? There's always going back to the Lord when we've messed up and seeking his forgiveness. So we've seen these glimmers throughout the book. By the time we catch up with Job here in chapter 14, he's taken a lot of punches and he's just about out. And for him, honestly, the future seemed very bleak. So this is this is titled tonight, Job's Hopelessness. But we're going to try to turn it around at the end and try to get a glimmer of hope out of it, out of it at the end. So in verses 1 and 2 of Job 14, it says, Man who was born a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. So we can kind of sense here that he's... Um, on this brink, this brink of hopelessness. You know, and he rightly says that man's days are few. And we know um, that in the light of eternity, um, in, in uh, our few years, our 70, 80, 90 years are few. But they're not full of trouble. You know, Job only sees his troubles. But we know that life also has blessings, right? Life also has some beautiful times, some fruitful times. And God's desire is to give us more and more of that fruitful and full life. And one that is devoted to God's will and also for the benefit of others. But how often do we focus on the bad stuff? How often do we focus on the troubles that we go through instead of the blessings. And Job here is also, we're going to get into this a little bit more in the, in the verses that follow, but he's kind of also pondering what's after this life. He's kind of pondering what happens when my life here full of troubles ends. Is that the end? He says here, he flees like a shadow and does not continue. There's a sense here, I think, in Job's way of thinking that that's it. You know, there's nothing further after we die. And he does it several times throughout the book. And we need to remember in the context of when this was written and the revelation of, um, of a lot of things that they did not have back then that we do have the um, benefit of now and they had a very, uh, they had a very um, faded view, clouded view of a lot of things when it comes to the things of God. Um, he has doubt whether uh, this life uh, will continue after he's gone, after his physical body dies. He wonders if there's something more. Solomon expressed similar sentiments in the book of Ecclesiastes when he says when he looks at life only what under the sun right he's looking at life only in this earthly realm 
And when we look at our life only in this earthly plane, we can get discouraged, right? We can become hopeless. But we must also remember that God brings, kind of brings heaven into this earthly realm in a relationship with his son. And a relationship that we have through Jesus who promised us an abundant life, right? And that can only happen when we live with God's will as our main focus and not focus on the troubles and the difficulties and the trials that we go through, but focus on the blessings that we have. And so Job is kind of pondering all of this stuff as he's kind of on the, on the mat and almost out for the count. And now he kind of lifts his voice up in prayer to the Lord. And he prays for God's mercy in verses 3 through 6. And he says, and do, you, and do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me to judgment with yourself? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Look away from him that he may rest till like a hired man he finishes his day. So Job, in a roundabout way, is kind of asking God to finally put him out of his misery. But his prayer is kind of filled with confusion so we can get a sense of what Job doesn't quite understand. He rightly says that man is, um, you know, man's days are few. And he says man is only a flower or a shadow, which is here today, right, and gone tomorrow. But if that's the case, why does God seem to have his sights set on Job? Job is wondering, why are you paying so much attention to me, God, uh, with all the troubles that I have in my life? If I'm here today and gone tomorrow, why are you doing that? And if Job is that bad to deserve all these troubles, why does God want anything to do with him? Why doesn't God just kind of leave him alone? And Job here, we get to see this misunderstanding that he has of God, about God's character. You know, he's, um, he's asking, why, why is God requiring perfection when he knows it's impossible to attain? But let me say, God's standard has never changed. God's standard of perfection has been the same from beginning of time and it will be until the end of time. But what we know and what we understand is that Jesus Christ is the one who imputes his righteousness to us. In our own strength, we can never attain God's standard of perfection. So Job doesn't see the completion of God's plan for humanity in the person of Jesus Christ who went to the cross, the only perfect one who ever lived because he he was the only one who could take that penalty of sin for us. And Job doesn't get that. He doesn't see that. But that's pretty typical of that time where the full revelation of God's plan for humanity wasn't really understood or quite known. So ultimately here he's asking for God, just leave me alone, God. If, if, if all you're going to give me is troubles, I'd rather you just leave me alone. And then he continues on pondering about what goes 
after this life. In verses 7 through 12, Job says, For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, it will, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its root may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. But, if, but man dies and is laid away. Indeed, he breathes his last, and where is he? As water disappears from the sea and a river becomes parched and dries up, so man lies down and does not rise up. Till the heavens are no more, they will not awake nor be roused from their sleep. So again, this this limited understanding of the afterlife that Job has, he's expressing here in his hopelessness, in this state that he's in. And I think we, we need to be careful that we don't allow the circumstances in our life to, to uh, cloud what we know of God. And sometimes that can happen. Sometimes life can get so difficult that we don't see God clearly. See, God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's our circumstances that change. And we should try not to allow our circumstances to get in the way of what we know is true about God. So Job here is is saying, he's contrasting kind of his destiny after he's gone, after this sorrowful life that he's lived, this life full of trouble, this short life. He's contrasting his destiny with that of a tree. And we've probably all seen uh, trees cut down and the stump is remaining. And then we go back maybe three months later and there's little sprouts coming out of the top of the stump, right? Well, we thought the tree was dead. It's cut down. But yet there was still something in there that's growing. So out of that stump, we may see life come forth. And Job's probably has has probably experienced the same thing in his day. You know, a tree that's chopped down and then he goes back later and he sees growth. And so he's saying, the tree has hope. <laughs> that, that stump actually has more hope than I, than I do. It could possibly regrow. But he says when man dies, he doesn't leave behind a stump. His life is basically over says in verse 10, but man dies and is laid away. Indeed, he breathes his last. And where is he? So again, Job has this limited understanding. And to Job, this probably seemed really very unfair, right? That why should a tree have more hope than man? And this is something where his state of mind is is kind of uh, giving him these ideas. And then he compares his idea of the afterlife with that of water. You know, Job says that a man is more like, more like water, really, than he is of a tree that's cut down. At least a tree might regrow, but water goes into the ground, gets soaked up, and it kind of disappears, and you don't see of it again. So we see, again, this limited understanding of the afterlife consistent with the times in which he lived, and reflecting the kind of the limited level of revelation that people had concerning the things of God. You know, for us, we don't quite understand it. 
because we have the New Testament and we have passages that can give us hope. Speak of the rev- resurrection, right, of all, all believers, you know, who trust in Christ. Uh, that resurrection that it's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15 or in John chapter 11. And Job didn't have the same capability to look into the scriptures as we do. And the New Testament kind of reveals those things, right, that are hidden in the Old Testament. And aren't we blessed because of it? Because we can have a more complete understanding of who God is and his plan for humanity. And we can have hope, right, that he didn't have. It says in 2 Timothy 1.10, But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The good news is that when we die, when our physical bodies stop breathing, that we will have an afterlife with Christ if we put our faith and trust in him. Now that is hope. That is hope. And Job, unfortunately, didn't have that perspective. Now he considers, in the next few verses, kind of another afterlife scenario. We can kind of dig into his brain a little bit and see all these things he's throwing out there, these ideas of what it possibly could be because he's looking at his life here and he's saying it's so bad that I wonder what it's like after I'm after I die and he's talking he's talking here about a time when God will bring us back from death maybe to put kind of a final stamp on what our life was here and he speaks about it in terms of a change that will take place Look what he says in verses 13 through 17. He says, Oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. Then you shall call call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. For now you number my steps, but do not watch over my sin. My transgression is sealed up in a bag, and you cover my iniquity. Look, these verses are really interesting. Because he's saying, well, maybe I die, and I'm put in a grave. And then when uh, God's wrath against me is over, when he kind of cools off a little bit about dealing with me, then there's this appointed time that he'll come back and he'll remember me and I'll live again. Or I'll come back and be able to um, maybe vindicate myself for, uh, for all of the false accusations that came against me. So Job is, again, he's trying to figure this all out. It's very interesting. Um, the Apostle Paul speaks about this change. You know, Job said... Uh, in verse uh, 14, till my change comes, whatever that change is. You know, he knows that when he dies, that something's got to change in order for him to possibly come back in the way that he's thinking to maybe redeem himself or to vindicate himself. Paul writes about it with a more complete understanding of the scriptures and God's plan 
for humanity and for resurrection. And he says, and he's talking about here a couple of different things. Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So there's a change, there's a metamorphosis that takes place here when we receive our glorified bodies. And Paul is writing in the fullness of his understanding of what God's plan is. Job was writing from his ignorance, you know, and you could see he didn't have quite have it right. You know, he knew that something, God was capable of doing something, but he wasn't quite sure what it was, where Paul here kind of puts it all um, in perspective. And Job here cries out to God. And you notice through all of this, he's never lost that connection that he had with God. You know, he fights against God. He argues against God. He uh, cries out to God. He doesn't understand God. But notice he's never lost that connection with God. He cries out for mercy. He thought his death would stop the pain and eventually God's wrath will be satisfied. And then, like I said, God would maybe bring him back to vindicate him before his accusers. But he's looking at God's, uh, at his circumstances, right, as God's judgment against him specifically. But let's take it and kind of expand on that a little bit. Isn't it a sin-filled world which ushers in all of our pain and all of our sorrow and all of our trials and all of our difficulties? See, Job's hopelessness here was getting the better of him and he was focusing on his troubles. But he doesn't look around him necessarily and see that the world is full of trouble. The world is full of trials. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. See, there's always that hope that we have in the scriptures. But it is a sin-filled world, world which brings in pain and sorrow. And so Job here, he doesn't understand that. He's really micro-focused on his own circumstances and not on what God's doing in this world. He understands that he's a work of God's hands, yet he can't understand why God is only sort of keeping track of his sins and not caring for his needs, too. He's hurting. And he's almost down for the count. And he's almost, he's very close to hopelessness here, Job. And he asks a question that probably many people ask in verse 14. He says, if a man dies, shall he live again? If I die physically, will I continue on spiritually? Is there something that happens after this life? And I know when we do funerals, we like to give people that hope that if, you, if your loved one put their faith and trust in Jesus, there is something after this life. 
And then you can, you can go on with your life mourning that person's loss, but knowing that he's in God's presence. That's why it's so urgent for us right now to be preaching the word, speaking hope into the lives of people around us. Believe it or not, this world is open and ripe to hear the gospel, the good news right now. They are ready to hear some message of hope, and we have it. So Job asked this question, if I die physically, will I still live on? In the New Testament, Jesus answered, yes, answers that question. In, in John 11, when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And so Jesus is that hope, you know, that a place is prepared for us and we know that when we put our faith in him, we'll be with him for eternity. That's an awesome thing. So as we kind of get towards the end now, we continue to see Job kind of accusing God here. And this is the state he's in. You know, he's... Back and forth, he's been fighting with his friends, and now he's just at this place where he's kind of making these accusations against God that he's pretty much taken away any remnant of hope that might have remained in Job's life. And he uses two illustrations to make his point. And he says in verses 18 and 19, But as a mountain falls and crumbles away, and as a rock is moved from its place... As water wears away stones and as torrents wash away the soil of the earth, so you destroy the hope of man. So we'll stop there for a second and just focus on those two verses. So Job here is comparing um, his lack of hope with what happens in nature. And whether it comes quickly, he says like an earthquake, Uh, where a mountain falls and crumbles away, or slowly as water, a stream may erode a mountain over time, over years and years and centuries. It doesn't matter. Either way, Job feels like God is kind of taking away any, any remnant of hope that he might have, anything worth living for. And then in verses 20 and 22, he goes on, And he says, you prevail forever against him. And he passes on. You change his countenance and send him away. His sons come to honor and he does not know it. They are brought low and he does not perceive it. But his flesh will be in pain over it and his soul will mourn over it. So I I warned you, this was not the most joyous chapter in the book of Job. Job is at a really bad spot in his life. He's at a really bad place right now. And he can't really see anything that's going to lift him up or bring him any kind of hope. And we're going to face a lot of difficulties in this life. And we may doubt God and we may question his, what he's doing. But he's got a plan. He's got a plan for our lives. Whether it's in the midst of the difficult times or after he brings us through them as a testimony for his faithfulness in our life. 
But we can never, ever forget that. And I love the fact that in all of this, Job never forgets that God is there. Even if he's fighting against God, even if he's questioning God, he never forgets that God is there. One verse is, uh, that I'll leave you with and then, um, and then we'll finish up in, in worship tonight. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.